Good morning, everybody. It is Monday morning, and I wanted to come on here and bring you guys a new podcast. I believe it's been several weeks since I've hopped on here, and mainly things have just been crazy with um, new clients starting and busyness. It's like you only can work so many hours in the day and not be exhausted, but I also have found, you know, when it comes to uh, trying to get the best one of I guess you would say the best sound quality when it comes to um, recording the best the best place I found like I literally know there's people who record in their closets I know there's people that record in their laundry rooms you know all that different stuff you need a small room where it just doesn't echo or really killer mic which I don't have a really killer mic so um I come I do my podcast straight from my vehicle so when it is so hot outside I literally am not gonna sit and die in my car and bring you my podcast so it's also the days that I have been able to have a chance to um, pop on and do a podcast. It's been like 90 degrees plus outside and it makes it even hotter in my car. So um, that's kind of, I guess you'd call it my reason or excuse why I haven't brought you guys a a new podcast uh, recently. And I actually had started recording one and realized that I had talked for about 12 minutes and never hit record. So then I was just irritated and said, ah, never mind, screw it. So um, podcasting wasn't in my favor the last few weeks, but um, I'm going to bring you a new one today um, uh, just so everybody has an idea of what the last week has looked like for me. Um, Some of you um, know my story and some of you don't know my story, Um, but I have... Um, when I was younger, I actually had to have, um, two hip surgeries. And so, um, a lot of people wonder, you know, what happened, whatever, that type of thing. Um, so before I was even like really into high school, I had already had four surgeries when I was younger. Obviously I had my tonsils out when I was in preschool. Then when I was in fifth grade, I had my gallbladder out, uh, had a, like the whole school year for a good like six months, I just had these uh, gallbladder attacks. But because I was so young, nobody ever really looked into my gallbladder. So I ended up um, having my gallbladder taken out after having a really horrible gallbladder attack. And that was a a planned surgery to get that out and afterwards felt so much better. But literally, like after healing up after that, um, I ended up having to have um, a hip surgery. And I'm giving you guys all this background because it's going to lead into where I'm going with the rest of this story is um, when I was in fifth grade. Yes, fifth grade. Um, I was outside playing with the neighbor, the two neighbor girls, and uh, we were literally just playing tag. It was dewy outside. Um, there was a little bit of moisture on the grass, whatever. Um, but we were playing tag and I went to like tag one of the girls and went to reach for her back. And when I did that, I slid on the grass and did like forward splits. And when I did that, like I heard something pop in my right hip and it was horrendous. Um, but it was like, maybe, you know, I limped home. I thought maybe I just popped, you know, popped or strained a muscle or whatever. You, you know, I'm in fifth grade. I have no idea what the deal is. Um, but what ended up happening was, um, 
I, my dad ended up taking me, um, to the doctor. They said nothing, like, they couldn't find anything wrong with me, you know, did an x-ray, nothing was wrong. And then, um, the next day I went to school, and when I went to school, it hurt so bad to walk on my hip that, um, you know, when you're in elementary school, you're not supposed to touch the wall. And I was using the wall to help walk down the hallway to lunch. And I remember the teacher was like, stop touching the wall. You're not supposed to touch the wall. Get your hands off the wall. And she came over to me and was like, Allison, remove your hands from the wall. And I'm like, I can't. My leg hurts. And I'm sure as a teacher, like, trust me, I taught for a year and I did my student teaching. Kids will be kids. But um, I was I was in so much pain and. Um, she's like, if you can't walk down the hallway without your, without your hands on the wall, you can sit out, sit out from recess. And, um, I literally just melted down the wall into a, a pile of tears because it hurt so bad. And, um, I really didn't know what was wrong. And so she sent me to the nurse, the nurse called my dad and my dad took me to the doctor, took me to the hospital. And, um, what he, what they ended up doing is like, I remember like being in a bed, they gave me some morphine, all that to try to figure out, did some x-rays and they're like, we've looked at everything. There's nothing wrong. I'm guessing she just sprained a muscle or whatever. Well, we left there and my dad's like, I'm going to call the chiropractor. And so we went to the chiropractor. Um, we've always chiropractored in um, Concordia. So my dad ended up taking me to Concordia for a, um, just a, you know, maybe I had popped something out of place or whatever. And I was in so much pain that um, Dr. Robin Hood ended up doing a, um, an x-ray and he immediately was like here well here's the issue um what happened is is the ball of my hip had shifted down and out of place so it's like a dislocated hip um just like you would dislocate a shoulder or whatever but um it, there's actually a term for it and it's called a slipped epiphysis and so for those of you who do know or maybe in the medical field and don't know um, your bones like harden as you go through adolescence, but there's a very small percentage where the top of that bone doesn't harden or stays more soft. And so, um, it happens more to adolescent boys. Um, it can affect like eight, maybe like 8% of boys, but females it affects like two to 3%. So it's a very small population of females, but it can be for, um, it can happen to people who are very overweight due to just being overweight and, uh, the gravity pulling their hips down and just pressure on their hips, all that type of stuff. So, um, long story short, I ended up having coming down here to Salina and doing an emergency hip surgery where they went in and put a pin and a screw in my hip. So some people don't know I know I've even had hip surgery. Other people do and they already think that I've had a hip replacement and I haven't. I have a um, pins and screws in both of my hips. So um, the, they ended up going back in um, in eighth grade and doing my left hip and, um, when they went in on my left hip, um, the doctor had actually 
I don't know if he missed or whatever, but when he was screwing the screw into the, the top of the bone, um, the bone actually cracked. So, um, they didn't know that until they had sewed me all up and everything. And then they went in and did an x-ray, saw that it was cracked. And then when they went back in, opened me up and had to fix it. So I was, my, my, uh, left hip surgery was supposed to last like 45 minutes and it ended up lasting like four hours. Um, had to have staples in that, in that side, everything like that. So, um, the recovery on both of those was two months on crutches and no weight bearing for two months and all that type of thing. And then after that, I was able to go back to being, I guess, a normal kid. I had no issues with my hips whatsoever. And the only, um, you know, people are like, oh my gosh, you've ran all these years and stuff. I never was told I could not run. The doctor said, you have no, no restrictions. You literally do what, what you can. If it hurts, don't do it. And so when it came to running my half marathons that I've done, literally, they never hurt whatsoever. All this time, um, it never really hurt. Um, but I would say in the last, um, five to six years, um, they've bothered me more. Um, and in, when I turned 30, that was the year that I was going to run three half marathons and it got to the point where I ended up not running or no, I was going to run four of them and I didn't run that last one because my hip hurt so bad. Um, I started doing injections in my hip. And, um, it was one of those things where it held off the pain for a little while, but as things have progressed since basically since COVID last year, when everybody was stuck at home, um, I had a spin bike at home and, you know, I could go walking and a couple dumbbells. So what I did was, um, I spent a lot of time biking and that's when I noticed like my hip really started to bother me, um, had a lot of pain, um, ended up going to see my doctor who put the pins and screws in my hips. And he, um, more so just told me, um, you know, you need to put the surgery off as long as possible. You can't, you know, you're going to have to eventually have it redone. Um, but long run, I, I just wouldn't, I, I wouldn't do it yet. And so I, I settled for physical therapy and another hip injection. And to be honest, the hip injection lasted as long as the local anesthetic was in there. And then it was like, I was over it. So, um, this last, I guess you would say this last year to the last six months have, I limp horribly bad. And I swear those who see me out in public or wherever, or at the gym, everybody's like, are you limping? Are you limping? Are you limping? Well, the answer is yes, I'm limping. My hip, my hip, hips period hurt, but my right hip hurts so bad. Um, I, when it comes to weight training, there's about four exercises I can do. Um, I can't do leg press. I can't squat. I can't lunge. I can't do step ups. Um, I can do leg extensions. I basically can do a hamstring curl, single legged. I can do, um, hyper extensions and, um, I can do some, uh, band work or glute kickbacks. And so, um, 
a couple, about a month ago, a month and a half ago, um, I had an evaluation for my spin class where, um, my class was recorded and, um, going over it deep down inside, I knew watching it that it was going to be painful to watch because inside teaching spin, it hurts, like especially getting started. Um, but once my hips get warmed up, it seems to not hurt as bad, but I've started to notice I have continuous like left leg pain and that kind of thing. And that, that just comes from I'm overcompensating on one side, every type, every type of thing. So my boss was like, you see your, you see yourself, don't you? And it was, I literally was just very teary because I knew deep down inside I needed to get it fixed. But what that, what that looks like, I had no idea. So all of that to say this last week, I finally had an appointment scheduled to go see an orthopedic, a different orthopedic who does hip replacements. And, um, that I went in there, they did the x-rays, both hips. And, uh, he basically came in and was like, yeah, um, these are not good. (coughs) And, um, I, he's like, I can't, you know, let me move your leg around. And that was painful. I told him I'd use more ibuprofen. That is what isn't, you know, should be consumed, um, can't sleep at night. Be I toss and turn all night long because my hip hurts so bad. And um, it's one of those things that if you've never had surgery or you've never had pain, um, explaining like a pain that people don't know um, is very hard. They're like, well, just don't do spin class or don't just, just don't do that. Well, when it gets to the point where you're so limited on what you can actually do, um, you start to feel like your I don't want to say your life is closing in, but it feels like, oh gosh, what can I do? You know, I have been an advocate since the day I started my health journey. Focus on what you can do. Don't focus on, you know, oh, I did this wrong or I did that wrong or whatever focus on what you can do. And the more my limited ability of what I can do has become, you know, counted on one hand, the more I realize, okay, I need to do something about this. And the doctor was like, let me see you walk across the room and back. He's like, oh yeah, that's bad. Um, and so we ended up deciding that, um, I was going to, um, schedule my hip surgery. So, um, the first hip surgery, um, which would be my right hip is supposed to be done in November. And then they do the second surgery three months out from that. However, I did get put on a cancellation list. So this surgery could happen next week. It could happen two weeks from now, or there may not be any cancellations and I have to wait until November 23rd. Um, I don't know, but when it comes to um, getting things fixed last week, you know, sitting in the doctor's office and him telling me, yeah, it is that bad. Um, I got very teary. I, I, I wanted to cry. I, you know, got out to my car and then I cried because I was like to, you know, when your career is, um, a hundred percent, you know, a, a physical career and at that your career is you only get paid when you meet with clients, all these, um, fears start to set in like, 
oh my gosh, how am I, how am I going to pay my bills? Um, how am I, how am I going to come back from this? What if I don't heal up? You know, all these, all these thoughts start to creep inside of your head. And, you know, some of you, um, may believe in a God or may not believe in a God. I do. And, you know, I have to have peace in, in knowing that everything will be okay. And, um, I have to keep telling myself that because it's very easy for me to all of a sudden snap into thinking negatively, like, oh my gosh, I have to have surgery. I have all the, like, I have all this work I have to put in now. Like now you have to come back and you, you have to not gain all your weight back. And there's just so many fears that wrap around, like, if you're an athlete and maybe you've played sports all your life and you have to have surgery, you have these flashes that go through your head like, my career's over, da 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 da. But when you're somebody who's been obese at nearly 230 pounds and you lose all of your weight and then this is your new lifestyle, a lot of anxiety sets in with, oh my gosh, am I going to put a hundred pounds back on? Am I going to, um, not be able to move? Am I, what if something goes wrong, you know? And so I have really had to check myself. I I did have a pity party. I'm a hundred percent in that willing to admit that, that I, you know, wanted to cry and throw a fit and be like, God, this isn't fair or whatever. But the one thing that I have to remind myself is, is what, what makes me good at what I do right now is because I've been there for so many people. There's so many people who can say, well, I work with Allison because she understands it. She knows what it's like to have an eating disorder. She knows what it's like to have surgery. She knows what it's like to be a hundred pounds overweight. Um, you know, there's so many things that I can relate to with my clients. Many times with my older clients who don't know me, they're like, well, you don't know what it's like to have surgery or whatever. Yeah, I do. I really do. And so um, when I think about that and having to have hip replacement surgery on both sides, um, I think to myself of this is just another avenue for me to come back and be able to work, open up a you know, an ability to work with other people, maybe somebody who has had hip replacement or whatever it is. So, um, that's kind of been my last, you know, week, week and a half is, is, you know, you, you get some news like that. And at first you're anxious because, you know, you don't know what the results are going to be. You hope that the results are not as bad as, you know, you really think they are, but then it's coming to the conclusion. Okay. It really is that bad. Okay. I need to do something about this. And so, um, maybe you guys will get more podcasts when I am laid up or something like that. But that is kind of where I am with when it comes to, um, what I'm doing with my, my hips is I'm, I'm having hip surgery. Um, I, I do have to take off two whole weeks from work and I will, that is what it is. And I'm okay with that. Um, I will, I will move forward from there and, um, I guess see where it leads me. So, um, with that said, that's kind of background on where I am right now, but, um, I did have a person who had messaged me at the beginning of September. Um, you know, she's somebody who listens to my podcast often and I wanted to address some of her questions, um, because, 
you know, I ask people to write in or tell me, you know, what are, what's something you guys want me to talk about? And so, um, I'll read you what she had written and then I'll answer her questions on here and then wrap things up. So her questions are, um, she says, I have been listening to your podcast for a while now. Um, would you talk about what to look for when you are searching for a trainer and how to know if they are a good fit? Also about protein powders and if you should use them and what to look for with the powder and pre-workouts. What are amino powders and BCAAs? Are, are they important or are they a gimmick? I know some trainers don't use protein powder or pre-workouts and don't talk about what supplements you should use or stay away from. So if sometime you could, would you, would you do a podcast on this? And I think there's, this is a huge loaded question. There's so many things, um, that I want to touch on and I'm going to do my best to touch on those. I will say, once again, my podcast is all of my opinion from my education and the coaches I've worked with and clients I've worked with. So what I say may not be what is right for you or for other people. But like I said, a lot of people like hearing my thoughts or my thought pattern or how I process things. So um, to give you guys, you know, some insight there for her to address her first question is, is um what do you look for in searching for a trainer and how do you know if they're a good fit? And for me, I personally have had several trainers. Um, the first trainer that I ever had was there in um, Beloit where my hometown is. And the thing is, is I started just going to fitness classes and then I got to know the person um, doing the fitness classes and I just became a um, her mentee, I guess you would call it. Um, I would say when it comes to finding a personal trainer, you want to find somebody who's willing to mentor you because, um, what I find to be, um, sad in the world of personal training is a lot of times, um, personal trainers only want to be your trainer when it's that hour on a Wednesday at 10 o'clock and, don't text me, don't ask me questions in between that. It's you're paying for that one hour and you know, whatever. Um, for me, when I work with my clients, um, I, I, I tell them to ask me questions. I, I, I want to be a mentor to them. I want to be an encouraging person to them. So if you're looking for somebody, find somebody who wants to spend that time with you, who wants to teach and educate you. Because the biggest thing when it comes to a, a, a trainer is they should be teaching you. Because I always tell my clients, if I were to die tomorrow, I don't want you all to just quit working out. I want you guys to keep going. And my my philosophy is always I want to encourage, empower and inspire people. And you have to teach people because if I'm just saying, "Oh, you need to eat protein for breakfast." But why? Why do you need to do that? Or you need to um incorporate a protein shake. Why? You need to drink water why? You know, like there's all these things. And if people don't know the reason why behind it, they're not going to stick to it. And so when it comes to a a nutrition plan, you know, um, I have some clients who just follow a basic nutrition plan, um, you know, eat carbs, fats, and proteins. And I have a couple others who do keto. Why do they do keto? 
Most of the time, some of my clients who do keto is because they have zero self-control when it comes to carbohydrates. I was that person. I did keto for three years. And the reason why I did keto for three years is because if there's a donut, Allison can't have one donut. Allison eats three or four donuts. If there's Oreos in the pantry, Allison can't have two, a serving size, just so you know, two Oreos is a serving size. I can't just have two. I'm going to eat probably a whole sleeve, you know? That is that is my reality when it comes to working with some people is is understanding the why. Why do I do things that I do with clients? The ones who are on keto, the reason why they're on keto is most of them are working on self-discipline and self-control because they don't have that when it comes to, you know, if I gave somebody macros and said, hey, you need to eat this many grams of protein, this many grams of carbs, this many grams of fat, and every single day they're eating 300 grams of carbs or 200 grams of carbs and they need to be here or there, you know, like you can only continuously fail so many times. So what I, what I would recommend in looking for a trainer is make sure you find a trainer who's willing to teach you, who's willing to educate you. But also, if you're a person looking for a trainer, be willing to learn, be willing to listen. Because I also have clients who don't want me to help them at all. They literally want me to train them for that one hour when they see me, and that's it. They don't want me to talk to them about nutrition. They don't want me to ask them what they did outside you know them seeing me on the six other days that they had to do whatever they did so if you are truly somebody who is wanting a trainer you got to find a trainer who's going to match what you are wanting to do and so that's why for me I would say find somebody who is willing to educate you to mentor you to tell you the reasons why or why you're doing something or why they wouldn't recommend you to do something um but and then my other part to all of that is I would um recommend you to find possibly a cl- or a trainer who um either has worked with a variety of people or um, a person who is doing that sport that you're wanting to do. So, you know, I, granted, there are trainers who can do work with anybody, but if for some for some trainers, um, they only work with special population people for a reason. There are some people who just work with general population for some, you know, a specific reason. Um, maybe you're a marathon runner, but um, I would say. Um, Oh, but I would say that, you know, there's, there was a glitch in the whole podcast. Somebody was texting me and didn't put it on silent. So, um, I think for a lot of people, you like, if you're a marathon runner, maybe, maybe a powerlifting coach isn't the coach or the trainer for you, or maybe you're a powerlifter and you're looking at somebody who is a um, a marathon runner. Like, I don't know, but where, you know, maybe look at their clientele base. Do they have a little bit of everything in there? Do they work with athletes? Also work with general population, work with obesity, work with people post-surgery. Um, find somebody who is possibly very similar to your, your goals. Um, one thing that you'll find that is kind of sad is like on social media, you have all these females who are posting pictures of their booties and they're like, hit me up for um, the next 30 day booty blasting uh, workout plan or, you know, whatever. And maybe you're somebody who's a 
you know, a broad person. You don't have a tiny waist. Like that's one thing I have to help clients understand is, is you may want to look like Sarah on social media, but you and Sarah have two totally different skeletal structures. You have to look at that because a lot of times people get caught up on hiring somebody. They're like, oh my gosh, I love this fitness influencer on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. And I just, I want, I want their body. I, so you go and you buy their programs, you do their programs and you don't look anything like them. Well, your body is different. So you have to take that into consideration is be realistic with what your body looks like and you know, you can't just spot reduce. You can't just hire somebody who says, hire me, I'll get you six, a six pack abs in 20 days or whatever. You find a trainer who is realistically advertising or realistically showing their clients like that's the whole reason why I have the get fit scholarship um, happening is because I want other people to see a variety of women or men, we haven't had a male yet, but a variety of men or women who, um, who are maybe a dad, a working mom, a mom of, um, kiddos, a mom with, um, you know, somebody who's in menopause or perimenopause or whatever. Like the goal is, is for everybody to be able to see that there is somebody out there that they can relate to or see or whatever. So when, when you're looking for a trainer, those are the top two things that I would look for. And the last part that I would say is if you go to hire somebody and they don't ask you any questions about yourself, they're just like, all right, I'll send you a program, send me $150 and don't do that. You want somebody who is going to either sit down with you and do a health history assessment or somebody who is going to um, send you a questionnaire and find out your health history. Because the last thing that somebody needs to be doing is not asking somebody if they're diabetic or not and just sending them a meal rep- or a, a meal plan. Or what if you know somebody se- says, hey, I want this workout program. And they send you a workout program, but they don't know that you have had knee replacement surgery, you know, so maybe you can't do certain things that are on the program. So every, any, anybody who goes to hire a trainer, make sure that they don't just start training you or they just don't send you a program. Make sure that they ask you a hundred different questions trying to get to know you so that they can create a program tailored to you and for you. There's a lot of trainers out there who are just have a cookie cutter program and they're going to send the same program to Sarah as they are to, um, to, uh, I don't know, Jenny to um, Alicia to Alex to whoever, they're going to send all the same exact program to everybody. And just so you know, not every program works for everybody. So find somebody who's going to meet those top, those top three things. I guess that's what I put at the top of my list. Um, some other trainers may have some other ideas or thoughts. Um, so then to address the rest of the, that question, it says, Also, about protein powders and if you should use them, what to look for, 
What are amino powders and BCAAs? Are they important or gimmick? So to kind of touch on aminos, your BCAAs, um, a lot of times people don't know what they are. So BCAAs is your branch chain amino acids. And um, just so I can make you make sure I give you guys the correct definition, I pulled it up here online and it says it's a general term for essential amino acids, valine, leucine, and isoleucine that are metabolized by the body and used as sources of muscle energy. And um, to explain why they're important is um, their important role is building and repairing muscles. Um, so I, um, I tell people, no, you don't have to have um, BCAAs if you're getting your recommended amount of protein per day. Um, a lot of a lot of females, when I start working with them, under eat on protein like no other. As soon as they start logging, they're maybe getting 60, maybe getting 70 grams of protein at max. And a good majority of people need to be above 130 grams. So um, I like to recommend people to drink BCAAs so that if they're if they just suck at getting their protein in, it's something great for them to drink during or after their workout or maybe in the afternoon as to help get their water down, you know, keep their muscles repaired, replenished. Um, one thing that I will say is um, I am a sponsored coach by um, Fat Muscle, um, by the company Fat Muscle, and they have um, a product out there that is better than BCAAs. They're called EAA Plus. Um, it's essential amino acids plus electro electrolytes. And, um, you guys have to remember electrolytes are very important. Um, people who exercise a lot, you may get leg cramps or, you know, you feel worn down or you feel tired. Maybe you're sweating a lot. You're sweating out all of that. And so, um, what that does is it helps replenish your muscles. My clients who are bodybuilders, my clients who are marathon triathlete runners, that type of thing. Um, this is on their program for them to have a hundred percent. If you are a general population person and you aren't getting the recommended protein in that you need every single day, yes, this would not hurt for you to have at all. It would be actually awesome for you to add into your day. Um, I have two, um, two bottles or whatever you want to call them on my shelf. I usually drink one a day, usually in the afternoon, just to put in my water, flavor things up, make sure I'm just getting um, myself replenished after or before a workout. Even during a workout, it's great to drink it. Um, so I will read you the details on um, the fat muscle EAAs, which are just a uh, higher level BCAAs. Um, the, the premium EAAs um, were designed to not only provide your body with amino acids it needs to recover and put on new muscle, but includes key electrolytes to help with muscle contraction and cell volumization. We designed this product using fermented BCAAs, so the quality was the highest possible when too many companies are using amino derived, derived from duck bones, which is sadly enough, duck bone feathers, no one wants that. So they're... <laughs> It gets into a whole lot of things, but that's why I would recommend you using the premium a 
premium EAAs is a lot of people don't know what they're drinking if they're just buying a cheap BCAA. If you're going to drink them, I would highly recommend you to at least get the premium EAAs. So um, bottom line, what do EAAs slash BCAAs do? Um, it helps with muscle growth and recovery, increased cell swelling and nutrient delivery, increases in, um, strength and endurance, decreases muscle fatigue and lactic acid buildup. So that's your that's that's the bottom line on that. Um, like I said, you can choose whether you need it. It really depends on your activity level, but I I do recommend people to get it for the most part. Um, if you are going to get it, I would get the premium AAAs from Fat Muscle. Um, you guys can always use my Fat Muscle code um, <coughs> at checkout. Just type in Fit Not Skinny and it will give you um, a code for um, free two-day shipping. So um, for sure use that if you want. Um, don't have to, but just recommendation. Um, also protein powders, if you should use them and what to look for. Um, with protein powders, um, people, uh, this is a loaded question. Um, I would say one of my biggest pet peeves is protein powders. And the reason why I say that is because, um, all these companies out here are selling like Herbalife or Shakeology or, you know, whatever brand, I don't care. People take whatever, you can use whatever. Um, people will spend a fortune on those, um, you know, those, um, multi-level company pro, uh, protein powders and stuff. Um, my biggest thing is, is, um, I recommend people who have any type of autoimmune disease to stay away from soy-based products. And so any type of protein that is soy-based, um, I stay away from. I have, um, hi I'm hypothyroid. Um, I, there was a point in time way back on my fitness journey where I drank a soy-based protein for um, a good, well, it was probably a good 11 months. And uh, about four months in, I stopped having my period. And um, after going to the doctor, they ran um, my blood work and come to find out I, um, my, uh, my estrogen was out the roof. And so, um, that was one of the reasons why I had stopped having my, my period is because estrogen was so high, but I was drinking two soy based proteins per day. And so soy contains estrogen. So FYI, a little lesson on that. I don't recommend people to have any soy based products. That's just me when it comes to, um, I guess when it comes to cleanliness, um, supplements are something that are not monitored by the FDA. So they can say, you know, they, they can allow something to be, have nine grams of protein in it and allow it to be called a protein powder. And I wouldn't, I consider something a protein powder if it has at least 20 grams or more of protein or 20 grams of more of protein in it. So if you are buying a protein powder that is um, 10 grams of protein and 20 grams of carbs, that's considered a meal replacement, like a protein meal replacement. Um, I don't recommend my clients to use a meal replacement at all because most people do a fabulous job of getting their carbohydrates in every single day. So if your goal is 
um, you don't want to eat your carbs, like sure, have a meal replacement. But it, most most of those protein powders that I find um, on the market that are a multi-level type of um, protein is they have anywhere from 10 to 15 grams of protein and 15 to 30 grams of carbs. Um, I would, I recommend people to do like a whey protein shake. Um, it's absorbed or an isolate protein. Both of them are absorbed by the muscles, um, protein synthesis, all that. I'm not going to get into the science of all of it, but when it comes to your body utilizing, um, something after exercising or just trying to get your protein in, the best recommendation I give people is um, isolate protein or a whey protein. Um, All of those can be found on that fat muscle website as well. Um, Another trusted brand that I do is um, Quest Protein Powder. I know that's a clean one. It, um, I would just say, I would find one that you're, um, okay with. I wouldn't just go buy a random one at Walmart or Target because a lot of those can be filled with fillers. So just because it says it has protein in it doesn't mean that they didn't fill it with chocolate milk flavoring or something like that. So um, you need to you need to find a trusted company when it comes to buying a protein powder, one that you know where it's coming from, no BS, that type of thing. That's why I like the fat muscle protein. Um, I just like their products. I know John Gorman, the creator of, of it. He was my nutrition coach for three, four years, something like that. And, um, I, he's just a no, a no BS type of guy. And so when it comes to making sure that you're getting what you need in a supplement. He's not going to add crap to it just to sell it to you. He's not going to put something on the market just to sell it to you. So um, when it comes to a protein powder, that is one of my biggest recommendations is um, find a protein powder that has 20 to 25 grams of protein, doesn't have more than, you know, five grams of fat in it. And I would say, you know, no more than six to seven carbs at max um, in a protein powder. So, um, that's one, uh, that's one thing I would say, um, if anybody wants samples or something like that from the fat muscle protein powder, they have an awesome Reese's that I absolutely love a Reese's peanut butter cup one. They have an Oreo one. They have the basic chocolate and vanilla salted caramel. Um, and they just came out with a pumpkin one. So if you're wanting a good wholesome protein, um, definitely make sure whoever you're working with that you find just a trusted brand when it comes to protein powder. Um, or you guys can always use the one that I recommended from fat muscle. Um, I do keep that link on my Instagram account. Um, so you guys can just click on that and use my, um, my fit, not skinny tag so that you guys can get a free discount on that. So, um, it just finishes up saying, I know some trainers don't use protein powders or pre-workouts. So pre-workouts are going to be completely different. That's going to be caffeine. And um, the only time I don't recommend protein powders to somebody is if they have severe anxiety or um, they're very caffeine sensitive or if they've had some type of um, intense heart surgery or whatever. Um, I would call all those people like a, a special population type of people, um, people who have severe anxiety, like you don't need to be pumping them full of more 
energy that's going to make them more anxious. So um, the pre-workout that I use is the fat muscle pre-workout. It's the best one so far that I have found. Um, I have had pre-workouts in the past that I have used and literally it makes you feel cracked out like you're going to have a stroke that you're on to some type of drug or whatever and I remember using some type of pre-workout where I was exercising and I could feel my heart beating in my my neck and my chest I'm like I am never using that again so when it comes to pre-workout that's another one of those things where I would find a trusted source the fat muscle pre-workout that I use they have a gummy worm that just came out taste is fabulous the um, unicorn candy that they have is fabulous um but there is in gen- in general pre-workout is um something that is going to give you a boost give you energy I always tell people if you're that person where you have to work out after work and you just you're just like man I just can't do this I feel worn out I I just want to go home and sleep after I get off work. I would take a pre-workout with you to work and drink it the last 30 minutes of work. And then that way you feel energized and ready to go to the gym. Um, in, in the mornings, I am a morning pre-workout drinker. Like before spin class, I drink pre-workout. Pre-workout helps with endurance. It helps you, helps you stay alert, still helps you stay focused that I, I never, I don't not recommend pre-workout to people. I personally am a huge fan of pre-workout. Um, could I go without my pre-workout? Sure. Um, but I, I love the taste of it. It's equivalent to a cup of coffee. Um, there's some pre-workouts that have heavy amounts of beta alanine in it, which if you've ever had pre-workout and it makes you feel all tingly, like very, like some people say like bee stings or like bugs are crawling all over you, whatever you want to call it. That's beta alanine. And so some companies put a lot of pre-work or a lot of beta alanine in their pre-workout and the fat muscle one, they don't put a ridiculous amount in there. It's just a, there's just enough in there to keep you focused, keep you energized, give you the endurance to get through your workout. So, um, Hopefully that gives you guys some insight on those three things. Like I said, I talked about the BCAAs, the premium EAAs, uh, pre-workout and protein powder. So hopefully that answers a lot of your guys' questions. If you guys have further questions on any of those supplements or want to know more, just shoot me an email or a message on Instagram or whatever. Um, like I said, I, I'm all about education. You need to know the whys behind whatever you're doing. So, um, long, long, I guess you'd call this a longer podcast, maybe because I haven't been on here as much. But um, with all that said, hopefully you guys have something to take away. Reach out with questions or comments or whatever. Um, like I said, I am a sponsored coach by that Fat Muscle Company. And so if you guys order anything off of there, just use at the end the discount code FITNOTSKINNY. You get the free two-day shipping so everybody can save a little bit of money. But I hope you guys have a great week. Um, keep me posted on how how everything's going for you guys. Don't be afraid to tag me. Share share what you're doing on your workouts. Um, I love to see everybody getting active and encouraging other people. Um, keep spreading positivity because in a world where everything's super negative right now, I would love for everybody to, you know, do one nice thing for somebody today and don't ask for it to be returned or expect it to be returned. Just do something nice for somebody or give somebody a compliment. Um, 
and make somebody's day. So um, have a great week, everybody. And I will talk to you all the next time I'm on here. Have a great one.